you seekers, explorers, and renegades out there, welcome to another episode of the Alchemy Experience Podcast. I'm your host, Christopher Lemke. Imposter syndrome appears in our lives when we uh, are afraid to step into a new situation, where we feel we are, in fact, an imposter, where we might feel that we don't belong, we don't deserve it, uh, we're in the wrong place, whatever it may be, we doubt ourselves. But of course, as always, these fears are based on our previous experiences, our uh, original sensitizing events, our traumas, our core wounding, and so forth. And they show up to prevent us from, or in actual fact, they are trying to protect us from ourselves, or uh, that we are going to do something that is going to cause us to be uh, ostracized from our tribe, you know, end up in trouble with our spouse, with our family, whatever it may be. So whereas the purpose might be benevolent, the uh, process of it and the outcome actually becomes uh, detrimental to us stepping into or growing or moving into uh, our greater purpose. So let's do a deep dive into this topic and see where we end up. Enjoy. Do you know the power of your words? When you tell yourself stories that aren't your Uh, aren't true, your unconscious mind believes them. Your beliefs also can make you sick, physically and mentally. You curse yourself by repeating lies. And this comes from uh, uh, Trish Taylor's book, Yes, You Are Good Enough. So often these uh, discussions and these uh, podcasts, I start with a a quote to kind of set the uh, temperature, set the idea the platform the groundwork for the discussion which today is uh, uh, imposter syndrome and that's what we do in imposter when we uh, do uh, kind of torture ourselves with uh, thinking that we're imposters that we uh, we, we tell ourselves uh, untrue stories but we believe them so the, the definition, according to uh, Oxford languages uh, of imposter syndrome, is the persistent inability to believe one's successes uh, are deserved or has been uh, legitimately achieved as a result of one's own efforts or skills. Basically, we spend all this time telling ourselves that we are not good enough and that we can't do this, we don't have the skills to do this. And uh, meanwhile, people around us have no qualms about it. They have full confidence in that we can do it because otherwise we wouldn't have been appointed to do it or we wouldn't have been successful at it. Even if we are unsuccessful at something, then perhaps we're doing it just from a different perspective that is not so successful and we can try a different perspective um you know whenever i get on this microphone on this soapbox here i always have imposter syndrome who am i to talk about these topics who am i to take a position of knowledge or expertise here but i always go back to myself and have a little chat with myself and say, well, you know what, Christopher, you are here talking about your perspective. You're sharing your perspective and you happen to be a thinker and 
perhaps that's beneficial to some people. And even if it's only beneficial to one person, that's sufficient. That's enough. Because that one person needed to hear exactly what I had to say. So it doesn't have to be that I need to be reaching a million people with everything I say. It would be great if it was like that, but it doesn't have to be like that. So I think a lot of times we we set ourselves up for, uh, to failure through that process. So the root oftentimes, and uh, if anybody wants to share their experiences and uh, if you resonate with this, uh, please chime in. Um, but we have this process of when we're growing up that we we may have been uh, in a you know community family where we didn't get the recognition that we needed or we didn't feel as secure as we needed uh, we didn't feel that we were enough we didn't measure up uh, our perspective of the concept of failure was just uh, exactly that if we fail then we're in danger of being kind of shunned from the uh, the tribe or the community or the family or the whatever it might be so when we grow up we have this notion that failure is going to be detrimental to ourselves whereas failure is a necessity in order for us to predict, progress grow and succeed but that can only be learned by shifting that mindset so as we I, I can remember one time my father, uh, bless his soul, and may rest in peace, but <laughs> I grew up on a farm in southern Sweden, uh, and my older brother, who's uh, uh, destined to take over the farm, uh, very much mechanically minded, uh, was very is very good with his hands, very engin engineering focused, uh, whereas I'm the complete opposite. I'm more academic, I'm more kind of, as I said before, I'm more of a thinker. Um, and uh, so whenever there was something that needed to be done on the farm, uh, my dad would always say, oh, let your brother take care of that. He'll, he'll be able to do that. And probably not meaning that, you know, I suck. <laughs> I don't need to attempt that. More that, you know, yeah, absolutely. He was more, more competent to take care of that. But when you're, you know, 10 years younger or 10 years and younger, um, that's not how you perceive it. That's not the message you get. So you get, even though it was a benign, and this is something we as parents can hold, uh, keep in mind as we are raising our children, that what we say even though from our perspective, we it's like benign, banal, we don't mean anything by it. We, it's more, it's logical, but we're saying it to someone that doesn't have the same brain capacity that we do as adults. Our brains don't work the same way when you're 10 years and younger. So in that case, I'm then sitting there saying, okay, so I'm not, as worthy as my brother because I can't do these things 
and clearly I've not gotten to the stage where my uh, my skills and abilities uh, were going to be of uh, benefit because I didn't have the maturity and you know a ten year old who's a thinker. Well, you know it's probably just ADHD or something like that, right? Um, so from my perspective, then as a ten year old, because at that age or perhaps even younger. You don't have the concept of uh, unique thought. So if I think, oh, I'm not as good uh, good as my brother, then I'm going to think everybody else has that thought too. And uh, we're going to come to that in a, a little bit later. Why that is important as we, when we go to shift our perspective. But the point is that the message I hear. As an adult, I can take that and say, well, okay, well, if you don't like the way I do things, that's fine. You know, I can rationalize in a different way. As a kid, I take that and I turn it around and apply that as a thought process that I apply to everybody else as well. I don't understand the concept of unique thought. And also, as a child, we are in a survival mode that you know we we need our family to survive and if we feel that our position in the family is threatened then that is going to cause us to create defense mechanisms habits patterns that will then result in uh, how we are going to show up in different situations in life so when we're looking at this programming we are essentially and that kind of continues throughout our lives as well but we are using this external locus of evaluation and uh, terminology that um that uh, uh, what's his name uh, rogers uh, uses uh, rogers the uh, psychotherapist uses in his teachings then essentially we external locus of evaluation is where you place yourself you evaluate yourself from the perspective of what you assume someone else would feel about you. So I would put my, uh, evaluate myself out from the perspective of someone else, but it doesn't have to be obviously what they think of me. It's what I believe they think of me, right? So when we are, going through this process we 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 need to understand that how am i looking at myself and from what perspective am i looking at myself how am i evaluating myself because this imposter syndrome is all about showing up and believing that you're an imposter that's all it is but from what perspective and what grounds do you think that you're an imposter? Where does that come from? And that's where we need to go back and look at the root. And <clears throat> so the root will always be somewhere back in childhood. And then that then shows up in our experiences in life because we attract those experiences because we have embodied this uh, pattern or this uh, belief system in our subconscious. 
and that then continues until we can actually resolve it or heal it within ourselves. So that is our job. Uh, we go through life as we reflect and uh, uh, look at ourselves. Um, and when we become conscious of this process of uh, imposter syndrome, then it's our job to take a look at it, see where it comes from, and do something about it. Because one thing I tell all my clients uh, when I work as a coach, mentor, uh, or consultant uh, is that you know we have one job in life, and that is really to show up as the best ver or the optimal version of ourselves. Show up as a role model. Uh, in Buddhism, they talk about uh, essentially the reason you sit and meditate and to try to uh, reach enlightenment is for the benefit of humankind because that becomes your contribution to the collective consciousness. And you are then, when you are at that stage, you are emanating out an energy that will then affect other people. So you're not there to actively change other people. You're there to spread good energy, good karma, as it were. Um, so when we are working through this process and we are experiencing uh, the imposter syndrome, how does that manifest? So what I've experienced in myself in a way, procrastination is a huge one. I can't do this. I have a brilliant idea, but this is not within my remit. I don't have the education to do it. I don't have the abilities to do it. I don't have the skills to do it, whatever it may be. Hi. I um I, I I I totally agree with everything you're saying. And um I just wanted to say that it's not just the the specific words that matter, but also the tone that it's delivered in, I found sure. when I was growing up, you know, and now as an adult, um I always pay attention to the words and the tone in which it's delivered. And that's how I decipher um if this person is, um, you know, if I'm positively or negatively, you know, and when like uh, parents say to a child, oh, you know, out of anger, oh, you're so stupid, why did you do that? Instead of saying those types of things, when they say, oh, that was, you know, not a very smart thing to do, you know, or even if you use the word they want to continue using the word stupid. You can say that, well, that was a stupid thing to do. And I don't understand, you know, why you would do that because you're such a smart person. So it's just those little nuances that can change the whole life of, of a person. Yeah. And um, because like I grew up in the, on the negative side. So mm -hmm. I, imposter syndrome whenever I try anything the first thing I say is oh I can't do that you know and then when I find that when you try to do something you want to do it absolutely perfectly so that nobody can find fault so that you're you know not imposter type thing absolutely and uh, perfectionism is one of those uh, uh, things we bring up as well 
if I if I prevent myself from doing it because I need to do it perfectly, then I don't have to do it, right? Exactly. Yeah. So you know, and then that just carries on into every aspect of uh, you know your life and how you do everybody. Yeah. It's this is a really um, important conversation. Oh, thank you. And uh, may I offer a different perspective on the uh, when you say using a different tone? I would say different vibration. So let me uh, talk a little bit about uh, and Danica. I'm going to go to you in a minute there. Uh, talk about uh, David Hawkins' work where we're talking about, you know, uh, emotions have all different types of vibrations and frequencies. And the words that you use uh, have different frequencies and vibrations as well. And it's the intention behind them. You know, if I come from a, a, a position of fear, or if I come from a position of anger or shame or guilt, then the words I'm going to be using are going to have a low vibration. And then uh, if I try to use loving words, for example, they might be uh, out of tune with the vibration that I'm coming from. So, for example, if you're really angry, you're like fuming, you're seeing red and you're, you're saying, I love you. Right. It's, it comes out as being like not very trustworthy and totally out of alignment with the uh, intention. The words are out of in, uh, alignment with the intention of the words, because the in that case, you know, you, you're not really saying that you're saying something totally different. So uh, absolutely. Wendy, I appreciate that. Thank you. OK, so I guess for me, poster syndrome shows up like. I, I, you know, I'm an entrepreneur and, you know, maybe I set out to do something and then like, I, I second guess myself halfway down the path, or maybe mm -hmm. I've had some success. And then suddenly I have this moment of like, what am I saying? Like, can I really do this? Can I actually perform all these things I'm telling these people I can do? And I, so like, and then I start, I feel like I'm, skating on the pond and then suddenly like the ice gets really thin and I'm just like hoping that I'm gonna that's where I get to then I'm like oh shit like am I gonna make it to the you know back on solid ground yeah no I I totally agree with you and it's uh I've been working on this course for a couple of months and I've recorded the first episode probably three different times um and it's a topic I know very well so it's uh, meditation and. Uh, I going back to what I was saying before about perfectionism, I I just come up with new things that I need to have in the uh, in the uh, uh, the course content. So therefore, I, I go back and I have to re-record it. So it's again, it's that being out on the thin ice, but it's it's all about perception, because the knowledge I have about meditation other people the people that i'm turning to it's a beginner's course they're clearly not going to have that that knowledge so therefore whatever knowledge i bring to them is going to be good enough but it's not good enough for me right yeah i have that same problem because you know i've been trying to put this podcast out for a long time so i make these excuses you know so oh, i'm too busy i got this event i got go got going on and and then people say well we're still waiting for you you know <laughs> to put it out 
And I don't, like you said, it's the perfectionism. And, and then my thing is I want to do it all by myself. So yeah. if I don't know how to put it together, I need to ask for help. Yep. Um, that's the thing. And, um, and now I'm at a point now, because I'm taking classes at Stanford and, you know, I'm taking this class called Your Next Life Chapter. Oh. And so I put that on my, um, on my storyboard that I'm going to create an asset income, you know, income asset. And I said, my podcast and my book is going to be that. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to ask for help and, you know, have these, um, these, this infor- uh, information in front of me with these people helping me to put it together and make it realistic instead of just making excuses why I can't, <laughs> you know, because everybody keeps asking me, when is it well, coming out? Absolutely. I mean, that, I started this podcast actually about uh, two years ago now when, um, uh, as we're uh, recording this in the uh, middle of uh, November 2022. Um, and yeah, I had the same thing. It was like uh, uh, showing up and trying to start the recordings. And I just sat down and I said, okay, I'm going to launch January 1st, 2021. Uh, I'm going to launch at 11.11 a.m. British time. And that's it. I'm going to have three episodes out. And um, yeah. And then I have obviously I'd committed to that. I published that. And I said, then I had to do it. Mm -hmm. So I found that setting that deadline to myself and committing to it publicly, then I had no choice. Then it had to be, you know, if it wasn't perfect, it didn't matter because it was more important to be meeting my commitment to myself and others than for the uh, content to be perfect. And of course, yeah, I same thing here. I need to control everything, right? So <laughs> I, you know, I do my own editing, I do my own graphics, I do my own everything. And it's that has helped me in so far that I I become skillful at a lot of different things. But because I am that too, then I I don't find myself delegating where I should be delegating. So I take on all. So I totally agree with you. That control factor is part of uh, what happens when we uh, show up in that uh, imposter syndrome. Uh, mm-hmm. But I think, uh, again, also, I've, I think I've started writing probably four books thus far. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And uh, of course, I have, have an idea for another book coming up uh, that have come up uh, recently as well. Um, so again, it's it's I find for myself one way of dealing with that is to set set a schedule, set deadlines for myself. Okay. Um, and uh, it, and then you just have to say, okay, well, if it's not good enough, then I can try it again. It's that element of failure and reprogramming our relationship with failure right so mm-hmm. if i can ask you valerie what, what's your perception of failure um not showing up right you know i keep talking about the same thing you know and not following through right um when you need to be doing it um like me my i have a goal of you know losing so much weight right 
And I know I'm supposed to be at the gym, you know, four days a week, but I'm not doing it because again, I'm putting other people before me and, you know, work. Oh, I got to do this for a family member. Oh, I got to do this for an organization that I'm in. And I need to prioritize my time, Mm -hmm. really, because we got 24 hours in a day and I just need to know how, how am I spending it? And so, so I can meet that goal. Yeah, we we also tend to use those external factors as excuses for us Mm -hmm. to avoid the things that are a little (laughs) difficult, right? Yes. So, and again, you know, I set myself a target now. Uh, I was able, I uh, got into the marathon in April uh, 23, London Marathon, uh, which is a huge thing. I've tried seven times to get in. And I kind of stopped running because I, you know, I thought I was never going to get in. Now I got in. So now I've started training for the marathon. Oh, great. Because I am running that marathon on April 23rd, you know, whether I'm trained or not. So I might as well train for it. Uh, so there are no excuses now. It's, exactly. You know, this is about me. This is about what I want to do. This is about my health. You know, I'm over 50 now. So it's like you got to got to make sure I take care of myself and I, I think that's part of the the process we do when when we are showing or we we feel this imposter syndrome is that we use every available excuse to ourselves to avoid showing up as the best version of ourselves mm-hmm. or, exactly. or avoid showing up for ourselves period right mm-hmm. yeah and so that, another, oh, sorry. No, go ahead, Bowie. Another thing I want to ask you is that sometimes I feel like we use like organizations to show up to make ourselves successful. And say if we didn't have that organization, say I'm in Toastmasters, now I don't have that leadership role, and now I don't have this this organization making me look like I'm, you know, because I, I, I am very like. Um, I love leadership. I love leading people. I love training folks. But how about having my own platform mm-hmm. where I have my own content? I'm selling my own content. You know, I find that hard to do. I don't know why. It's easy for me to be on somebody else's platform to make sure. myself shine. But because then, but then after, you could always escape, right? Right. <laughs> and what then, is but, your own but, platform? You have no escape. It's all you. It's all you. And I thought it was kind of weird, though. It felt funny because I said, now I don't have this this title because I never live by titles. Mm-hmm. You know, I just take on the role. I build the platforms for that organization. It feels great. People feeling great. But after it's over, OK, now I don't have nothing to go to because it was only a term thing. So now I, I said, OK, how about you, Valerie? OK, who are you? And when that question comes to me you know from this one coach she said who are you Valerie that was hard mm-hmm. because I never thought about it because we always we always say oh I'm a leader she's not she said no I need more than that yeah how do you describe know. yourself without using external validating factors right so it's like looking deep within Sure, and that is a uh, very challenging one, indeed. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
And yeah, I mean, it's it is one of those things that when you when you become an entrepreneur, it it is it's all you. Mm-hmm. You get up in the morning and you have to motivate yourself, and you are only accountable to yourself. And so the imposter syndrome doesn't necessarily only have to do with uh, you in relations to others, but you in relation to yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's why I was saying before with the uh, external locus of evaluation, how do we see ourselves? And from what perspective do we look at ourselves? What exactly. perspective do we reflect on ourselves? Then um, we'll go we'll get into that a little bit more in detail uh, as we go through the different tools and uh, uh, ways we can kind of discover ourselves in that process. So yeah, we and we're talking in that respect. We're also talking about the self sabotage. You know, we're talking ourselves out of opportunities. Uh, you know, we are uh, failing and not trying again. So it's what is our relationship to failure? You know, is it something that is bad? Is it something that we dread or fear? Or are we, uh, do we see one thing as failure, but not another? So is it a failure if I don't get started? Or is it a failure if I start and can't finish? I would argue that it's a failure if you don't start. Because trying, then at least you have that in the baggage. Then you get that experience. But if you don't start, that is also an experience. And you can use that experience in your process. So, for example, when I'm teaching these uh, psychometry classes, we're not talking about hits and misses. We're talking about experiences. Because we don't necessarily want to, if we can avoid judging our experiences, good or bad, then they are just experiences. And there's always some value to be gained in them for us. Yeah, thanks, Christopher. Good morning. Morning. So I, I wanted to share, because I wanted to shine some light on my experience because it's mm-hmm. been something I've kind of just been, it's been in the shadows. Um, so it, imposter syndrome is something relatively new to me. I think I first heard the term about two years ago and I was sort of explaining to someone what my experience was in the workplace and what I was dealing with. And they said, oh, imposter syndrome. And I thought, what is that? At first, I was kind of offended because I was like, are you calling me an imposter? You know, but the more that I delved into it, the more I learned about it, I I realized that this is an experience that um, I've been dealing with ever since childhood. And I grew up uh, with a uh, Mexican-American father and Uh, a white mother. And starting very young, I was always made to feel or I always felt in my family dynamic, uh, because there was some racism, you know, going on with my grandfather on my mom's side. 
and you know he had never really fully accepted the fact that my uh mom had married uh, a mexican-american and struggled with that and you know sort of struggled with his relationship with me mm-hmm. and that really translated into my school experience um when i was growing up because the school that i went to was predominantly hispanic and i was very light-skinned and so I was always made to feel, or I always felt that I wasn't uh, Mexican enough to be part of that tribe. And I remember when I was um, in middle school, I decided to change schools. So I went to a predominantly white school. And there I was made to not feel white enough and of course, my name is Maïs, so I had, you know, I've kind of struck. I'm, I'm proud of that name, but I've also struggled with that um, throughout my life as well. I mean, I always felt like it was a great icebreaker, uh, but it was, you know, even on the um, Hispanic side, it's not a traditionally uh, Hispanic name or Mexican name. It's the word for corn. Yeah. So, so I've. I've, you know, always kind of struggled with that identity as well. And, you know, people asking me, well, where are you from? It's like, well, I'm, I'm from Colorado. I'm, you know, American. And, you know, when I'd ask my grandfather on my dad's side, you know, who had served in World War II and, uh, you know, had been, you know, third generation American, you know, I, you know, what are we granddad? You know, I said, well, we're Americans. And um, so that dynamic I had always struggled with as a young person, and um, it never really became something that was a benefit until I got into college with affirmative action. And a lot of um, that was where all of a sudden my, you know, my uh, Latin heritage had become something of, of value. And um, kind of skipping forward from that, um, I've been I've been in the, the telecom industry for um, just over twenty years now, and I really have seen it showing up recently because my background is in liberal arts. I have a theater degree with an emphasis on acting, and I've also been a professional actor for twenty years. Um, where again, my mixed race <clears throat> also sh- demonstrated some value. Um, but my bread and butter has always been in the corporate industry, the corporate world and in telecom. And so I, um, I didn't have a business background. I didn't have an engineering degree, um, but somehow I, you know, I'd always made it and I've always educated my, myself enough to get the job done. Um, But more recently, it kind of reared its head a couple of years ago, and and now more curious about it, Um, just feeling, I think, what you had been talking about with regard to perfectionism, um, you know, really causing a lot of um, low self-esteem. I think that's where it really has... um, showed up in my life and in my adult relationships is with uh, low self-esteem and um, 
a perfectionism. I think you brought up procrastination as well. And that's something I definitely identify with. Um, so I just wanted to thank everybody for their shares and also just share that with you because I this call resonated with me today because I wanted to tune in to see what kind of tools there were out there to further explore and, and mm -hmm. maybe set some of these lifelong emotions to rest. Yeah, I appreciate that. And thank you very much for sharing so vulnerably and showing up here, Mays. Uh, and it's, I think the there's actually a term now, and uh, perhaps someone uh, can help me out with this. At least I've heard here on podcasts on on this side of the Atlantic, there is something called colorism, uh, and it's uh, like you describe it. Uh, like if, if you go into a predominantly uh, Mexican or uh, South American or uh, Southern American. Uh, so post Florida or Southern California uh, environment that you're not going to be dark enough, right, to be considered part of that that community. Um, uh, so there there is, uh, and uh, me being from Sweden, very <laughs> homogenous uh, Swede, it's uh, I can't really. Rest, I, I don't under well, I understand it, but I don't have any experience with that uh, because everybody around me has always been kind of whiter than snow, I suppose. But uh, it's but I understand that is something that uh, it, there is a term and there is it is a, an actual fact uh, in the uh, communities, uh, you know, whether it being the Latin communities, the uh, African American communities, or Caribbean or whatever it may be, that people are judging each other on on their skin color as well, you know. Uh, so it, it is challenging, I can imagine, when you show up in your then uh, maternal grandfather's household and you're not white enough, you show up in your uh, paternal uh, side and perhaps you're not Mexican enough. Right. So how can you you feel like you're an imposter in either in your family already, even if nobody says anything? Because you feel that now you had this challenge from your paternal uh, your maternal grandfather because he uh, had a challenge uh, accepting your father. Right. Um, so then of course that is then going to be brought down to you because you're going to feel that right so now as you go forward in life you are going to have that am i really worthy am i enough am i worthy to show up as this person that i i feel that i am so you're already starting to deviate from your organismic self which is what you were born with as you come into this life that we're all born with you know that we haven't been programmed we haven't been affected by community yet that's your organismic self again that, that's carl rogers who uh, came up with that concept and I, I think it's a beautiful way of looking at it because if you take the aspect of your consciousness when you come out well, actually, when you land in those that lump of cells in your mother's womb, uh, consciousness comes in, 
however it comes in. Uh, I'm not going to put any belief system on that, but consciousness enters at some point, right? Uh, just appears or however it comes in. From that point, that's when our life starts. That's when we start to gain experiences. So someone who has a traumatic birth, that is then part of their experiences in life. And so the organismic self is that purity of the consciousness that has had, hasn't had any experiences yet. By the time the, uh, the consciousness ex, uh, enters the lump of cells, if you like, and starts getting nutrition, for example, that's an experience. Perhaps it starts getting some uh, poisons from, you know, environmental poisons through, uh, through the placenta and the fallopian tube, right? Um, and all of those things become then part of the experiential makeup that makes us. However, the older we get, the more, and I'm showing with my hands here on the podcast, it's only audio, so uh, we're kind of splitting apart. We, we, we separate from our organismic self, and that then becomes the gap of the challenges we have to deal with in life because we're always striving to come back to align with our organismic self or your authenticity, uh, however you want to look at it. So this is why it's important to understand from what perspective am I look, am I reflecting on myself? And what am I looking at uh, the optimal uh, or the my perceived optimal version of myself? Or am I looking at the authentic optimal version of myself? So when you're looking at yourself, my you know, does your skin color really matter? No. It's who you are organismically, who you are authentically. It's you as a person. Who do you show up as? Right? But when you're 10 years old, that's you're not thinking in those terms. You, you are very much existing in this external world. It's only when we get a little bit older and we start gaining perspective on our own experiences that we start looking inward. So, and that's, that is archetypically, you know, that is imposter syndrome, where we are showing up as something that we don't believe that we are. Because either we are incongruent with ourselves or we are looking at ourselves from a perspective that is out of alignment with ourselves. Does that make sense? Yes. Right. So it's, that's the point of view that I always start is from what perspective am I reflecting on myself? Who am I when I'm, when I'm talking to myself and I'll come to you in a second fast, when I'm looking at myself, from what perspective am I looking at myself from? Is it the five-year-old version of myself having a traumatic experience? Is it, uh, uh, am I looking at myself from my ex-wife's perspective? Uh, am I looking at myself from my children's perspective, my boss's perspective? Am I observing myself from my heart's, uh, heart's space? 
Am I looking at myself from my authentic self? So understanding that is one of the starting points. Hi, Chris. Um, Hi. Absolutely brilliant topic. I mean, wow. <laughs> um, something that definitely needed to be discussed. Um, so thank you for bringing it to light. Um, for me, I've actually realized that um, Mm. I've actually realized that after doing a lot of inner work, it's uh, sometimes very clear um, where these things are coming from, you know, mm -hmm. for me. So, for example, when I start not believing in myself, I straight away know it goes down to my inner child. <laughs> That's how quickly I'm kind of like um, dissecting it and dissecting situations. Um, and I think the more I practice and do the inner work and the more I read about it, the more I delve into it, the more it actually brings a light what's actually going on. And um, the understanding is there and the awareness and the consciousness in the moments are there. Mm -hmm. uh, but, but it does take practice and time. Um, and every time I start not believing in myself, it just goes back down to where my mother was constantly criticizing all the time. Nothing was ever right. My shoes were never put in the right place, no matter how perfect they were. <laughs> you could say 90 degree angle, whatever angles, but it still was never perfect. Mm -hmm. You know, I cleaned the worktop. It was just never good enough. There was no breadcrumbs, but still it wasn't never good enough. And it never was and never will be. <laughs> but to me, it was good enough and that was enough for me. Um, so basically, <laughs> I kind of grew up in that environment um, from a very young age. And for me, I just put it down to her, um, her OCDs, her, um, her things, things that she needs to take responsibility and not project onto me. Mm -hmm. So every time a criticism comes at me, I kind of have this shield around me and it just bounces off. So it's kind of like in one ear, out the other. And for me, I think this is how I've kind of grown up. And yes, I will be honest, before the awareness, it was kind of like, oh, I'm never, you know, it's never good enough. Everyone, everything always has to be perfect. And even during my degree, when I did graphic design, I, I took a few projects of mine to London uh, exhibitions and there there was this type typographist type this this uh yeah in typography they're designing typefaces and they're so perfect and angular and he just looked at me and stared at me and stared at my work and he was like how is this like so I can't even fault you on your angles and I can't even fault you on your that's how perfect you and I think because of this perfectionism that my mother had created I think I turned it around to be like a positive and be yeah. like do you know what <laughs> the way he looked at my work and the way he wanted to recruit me and he, and and you know I'm from up north so for me to have someone recruit me down in London I was like wow okay like I've not even finished university yet but um for me to see it as like do you know what maybe there was some good in that well clearly it was yeah. um and to see it as a opportunity of growth and 
see it as wait a I minute, mean, it's not a failure. Um, it's, but there's imposter it's syndrome right there, Faz. Like you're saying that you're you're flabbergasted that someone would take notice and feel that you were good enough, right? And mm. especially, you know, especially coming from up north, you know, the for anybody listening to this who, who's not familiar with the regionalism in England, uh, look it up. It's uh, <laughs> <laughs> so um, so th that's imposter syndrome right there, right? Mm. But yeah, and then that acknowledgement, like where the recognition is there. Mm -hmm. And then that kind of gave me the confidence to be like, actually, yes, I am good enough and I can be good enough. I am. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, it was a difficult challenge throughout working life as well, where I never saw myself going to different stages um, in the work in my career. And I always was one of those where the managers were like, no, like, what do you mean? You're way better. Like, I, I was like top 10 in the sales department, you know, month in, month out for years. And I was just like, yeah, it's standard. But for other you, people, it's like, you, no, but you, keep, you keep talking down to yourself because you, you're still not measuring up to... And again, this is your external locus of evaluation. If you're constantly evaluating yourself from your mother's perspective, mm, then yeah. you're never never going to measure up uh, against yourself. Well, for me, yeah, at the time when I was working in call centers, like you've got two, you like you've got like three hundred odd people in the call center, top ten every single month, month mm -hmm. in, month out, year after year. And yeah. for me, it became so standard that it was just like, oh, that's just normal. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, but even when, even when getting a grade A or A star was, I don't know if it's an Indian culture thing or a South Asian culture thing, where even an A or an A star is just like standard, mm -hmm. standard. Do you know what I mean? Like it's a must. You can't get anything less than that. It's not on. And I right. think, it, I don't know if it is a cycle. I, I, yeah. I kind of have also put it down to the South Asian culture as well. well and that's a, that's a cultural karma as well, that mm. I think uh, immigration, here, at least here in England, you know, you, you had to show up, you came to, I suppose, the immigration in America as well uh, in the day. But yeah, no, I suppose that still goes on, where you have to, come into society and you have to show up better than anybody else in order to uh, get a foot, a foot a foot on the ladder, as it were. Uh, and that then becomes that cultural karma because it gets pushed down on the generations. And that's where we have to show up and understand what karma we are carrying forward from our family. And this is where imposter syndrome has a huge impact on our experiences and eventually on our children's experiences or those people around us that kind of look up to us um, because we then carry that forward. Mm. So, so yeah, absolutely. That is a huge thing fast. And we know that there's, oftentimes uh, a lot of uh, pressure on like you say in the so uh, 
South Asian or Asian communities of achievement, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's a good thing in a sense where, you know, you're, you're pushed to your limits in a way where it's like, you know, you have to show up to your best self yeah. regardless and you have to put in the effort um, and that is standard and you, nothing less nothing less than that is acceptable. Um, <laughs> so in a way, when it comes to achievements, you know, mm -hmm. it pushes you, uh, mm -hmm. which is a, which in a sense, okay, it's a, it's a, it's a good thing because then you're not lazy and you're putting all your effort in and I think it also might have come to the point from South Asian culture mentality like obviously our, our uh, forefathers and ancestors have been working in farmland and you know all, you know on and all those kind of jobs mm -hmm. so basically they had the whole reason was to push the next generations further and further up the ladder yeah. um and i think that's where it may have also come from with with, with struggling with poverty and all and, and all that so mm -hmm. i can understand that as that side of things as well actually to be honest um sure but then you get you you get these things that creep in that self-sabotaging and you're not going to perhaps you you don't feel even if you're doing everything right you're not doing it as good as you could have because you're you're be, you're judging yourself from the perspective of your cultural heritage and therefore mm -hmm. you're not you might not start to do something because you don't think you're going to succeed anyway or you don't feel that you're going to measure up anyway or you you quit something because uh, you feel even though you are excelling at it perhaps you're not excelling at it to the point that you would ex were expecting from yourself therefore you quit it because you're not good enough for it right mm, i want to say not good enough for it but just that um in, in your own perspective as well everybody else thinks you're good enough for it but you don't think it because you have you you feel that you're you're not measuring up according to what you're uh, my own standards yeah what, what you, your background or what your mother would have said that you should measure up to well she she'd never be happy with anything anyway exactly. <laughs> um so um that i'm not putting in the radar because um i've learned not to now um and for a long time i've learned not to uh because my grandmother always used to say no that's fine even if it wasn't even near enough perfect, it'd be way good enough for her. Right. So um Okay, so I you had you at least had a balance there. But well, imagine yeah. imagine if you didn't have that balance and your mother was the only reference point. That would have been a little bit uh di different perspective on that, wouldn't it? So I'm just yeah, uh, I mean, just bringing that up as a uh, a perspective for someone who might be listening who uh who who kind of didn't have that balance, if you like? Mm, yeah, I guess you'd only measure, you'd only want to measure yourself up to that until I actually went out in the world. I went to college and university, and went, uh, and and started different roles and different jobs. That's when I realized, wait a minute, my standards and everybody else's standards—they're not measuring up here. Do you see what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. like if I was to do the same job as somebody else, but I was a perfectionist, yet they were still getting the same pay. 
I mean, <laughs> for me, it's a bit like, oh, okay, I can lower my standards then. <laughs> or, no, actually, I can hire my standards and get another job, which pays higher. Um, yeah. But, um, yeah, why should I have to lower my standards? But, um, yeah, I mean, if I can get paid more for the standard of work that I do produce and did produce, then why not? Um, so, yeah. Well, I that's the whole point. If you're doing something and you're showing up and you're feeling good about it, then you're relieving yourself of that that uh, imposter syndrome because now suddenly you you're content with your experience. Yeah, I think there's right. a lot of dynamic and a lot of perspective on this. Um, yeah. But it, the thing is that even in the journey that we we're all kind of going through in that journey we also layer on new experiences and new perspectives that we then have to kind of take another look at so if anybody's interested go and into the archives of the alchemy experience podcast and listen to um, uh, spiritual bypassing for example um, so you you might it's always constantly looking at ourselves from all different perspectives to understand uh, where you know how, how am I judging myself and from what perspective and from whom and from uh, what age and all of these different things so that we can mm. so that we can constantly uh, evolve and grow within ourselves and and come more and more into alignment of that organismic self, the, the authentic self, right? So, mm. the, but it is very common in that fast when you have that kind of pressure, you also a lot of times end up with coping mechanisms and self sabotage. Mm -hmm. uh, now, I don't know in your experience, fast how that may have ma manifested, but. You know, you might have shown up uh, talking yourself out of opportunities and uh, because you've felt that, well, and I'm not saying you fast, but, uh, you know, you if you don't feel that you're good enough or you're not uh, going to be able to do someone offers an opportunity to you, you say, oh, I couldn't do that. Well, they think you could. Why? Why? Who are you to say that you can do that, right? Yeah, I mean, I did get uh, opportunities for becoming manager roles and things like that at call centers. I mean, I, I took the, all the other different opportunities, but when it came to management, I was like, yeah, I can do it. And I did do it for a couple of months, but I realized I could make more money um, doing sales. So why should I take on more responsibilities as a manager when I couldn't make way more in commission so, <laughs> well, so then that, I... <laughs> well that's that's actually a very mature perspective because most people would be looking at it and i think this is where society goes wrong a lot of times you know we we have this idea that if we're looking at from a business perspective we go a little bit off top, topic here for a second but you well it's actually aligned with the topic in the end i suppose but you take in sales, for example, you take your best salespeople and you promote them to sales managers. Well, now you have a mediocre manager who might not at all be suited to be a leader, 
and you've lost your best salesperson, right? Mm. So we, we have this idea that the best people need to be promoted because we want to keep them. But if you lose them as, if you promote your best salespeople and you lose them as the best salespeople, then you're not keeping them. You're just kind of ruining their future because now you put, put them in a position where they're not going to thrive and they're not going to grow and they're not going to be happy. Uh, you know, in that case, you need to, they need to be in a position where they can coach and help build up the others to become equally good salespeople. Uh, yeah. But we, we have this expectation that managers are there to be a control function of senior management to control the staff so that they do what they're supposed to rather than to be there to support them and coach them and make them better at what they're doing and become the optimal versions of themselves. Absolutely, Chris. I, I couldn't agree more with you on that one because when I did coaching and training with uh, with call center agents, that was absolutely the perfect job for me. <laughs> and I absolutely yeah. loved it. So, yeah. So instead of the manager role, I was more so going towards the coaching and uh, training side of things. So, yeah, definitely. And, and I think that's actually uh, just to tie it back with the uh, imposter syndrome. I think that's where a lot of people experience uh, imposter syndrome is when they get promoted, they get thrown into this role and they get no training for it. So the imposter syndrome actually is warranted in that, you know what, I don't actually know how to do this role. But I think a lot of times it's all also comes down to I'm not I don't resonate with what's expected on me because I want to, you know, coach people. I want to help people. I want to make sure people thrive and grow and so forth. I don't want to be here to control them, which is essentially what that function turns out to be. Right. Yeah. So, you know, it's, so being in that position of, constantly talking yourself out of things, being uh, that negative self-talk, uh, having so low self-esteem, low self-respect and so forth, it leads to mental poor health. You know, it leads to uh, depression and anxiety and we're not able to show up with clarity in whatever we're doing. And that's, that's really the... Uh, the challenge of uh, the imposter syndrome because it, it's hidden within us and we can't really understand like uh, mice was saying before you know the the concept of imposter syndrome was something new to him and it, you know when it was raised to him he uh, <laughs> it was almost uh, uh, feeling offended because it was something that he didn't understand and so when 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 we look at ourselves and start exploring this, it is uh, oftentimes a new terminology, it's a new language, it's a new terrain that we need to uh, navigate for ourselves and understand within ourselves. So, one of you know, when we look at the identification and the shifting of our perspective, it is first step, and this is my first step with everything move out of your head because the imposter syndrome exists only in your head 
that's where it's, you know so move yourself out of your head and when i'm saying move out of your head i mean move your awareness out of your head so when you can move if you sit in meditation and you move your awareness into your heart space or wherever it may be and you can start to observe your thoughts for example which is one of the techniques that we uh, teach in meditation uh, you just observe your thoughts and let them float away now suddenly you're not in your head you're not your thought process but you're observing your thought process so when we had this internal chatter of one part of you saying to another part of you that oh you can't do this christopher then i can observe that and i can take any role there i can take the role of the recipient and say you know what i hear you i think i can do this i believe i can do this the other part of me is saying no you can't you don't have the skills for it and then you know the the conversation continues but i'm observing this from my awareness um and that so when i can observe my own experiences then i can also understand uh, from the perspective of imposter syndrome where is this imposter syndrome uh where it's where is it coming from where's the root of it uh, and i can one tool to use there's a uh, rex sykes uh who's uh, an nlp practitioner from uh, he's still active but uh, he was kind of one of the uh, uh originators of uh, nlp anyway uh he originated uh, the concept of lofty questions so you can ask yourself the questions like oh interesting i i think i'm experiencing imposter syndrome here and uh, uh because of this and this where is this coming from when did i experience this the first time when did i first gain this perspective on myself how would it feel if i could understand where this comes from so you ask these questions and then your mind is suddenly going to freak out because it doesn't like open-ended things uh it likes things very neatly boxed up and categorized and organized so it's going to run off and try to find the answers for you now that then becomes useful because the answers come up and then you can start working on that you can then uh, look at how you uh, you know how you can heal that aspect of yourself now when we show up in the, with the imposter syndrome oftentimes it's almost like we're reverting to the aspect of ourselves that experienced whatever we experienced at that time so if it's the nine-year-old self who gets talked down to by a parent we are then going to take on the defense mechanisms of that nine-year-old so it becomes a process of reintegrating the nine-year-old with the present version of yourself so that you can start reacting and uh, acting from the present perspective as opposed for uh, as opposed to from the nine-year-old perspective right so it's that's why it's important to understand from what perspective are you looking at yourself when you are experiencing this imposter syndrome uh because that is then uh, going to be part of uh, the healing journey and you can only do that 
if you are observing yourself from your awareness. So again, you know, how are you talking to yourself? What's the language? What's the vibration? What's the frequency you're using when you're talking to yourself? Are you questioning yourself because there is a bitterness or spite or shame or guilt? Or are you questioning yourself because uh, there is just this desire for growth or acceptance or love or whatever it may be? So those will have different fre frequencies and uh, different uh, uh, vibrations. So keep that in mind and check in with yourself. What am I embodying when I'm doing this, when I'm talking to myself? What vibration am I embodying? Um, and understanding that if I'm talking to myself, like I said before, I can have one voice over here and another one over there. What perspective am I talking to myself from am i talking to myself from the perspective of uh, if i or what's the opinion i have on myself and understanding that them that opinion is not the only one so if i have one opinion of myself saying that you can't do this there is another opinion saying you can absolutely do this or there's another opinion saying Mm, yeah, you can do it, but you have to do it this way. Or you have another opinion saying, yeah, no, I don't think you can do it. But if you tried it this way, then you can do it in a different way. So being able to shift ourselves around and having this perspective of ourselves from our awareness will allow us to start understanding how we look at ourselves. And I know it gets very convoluted and uh, very uh, complex once we, <laughs> with, or it seems complex when we kind of get into it and we are in that position of observing ourselves, it becomes much more clear and we can kind of feel more calm about it because we're not engaging in the chaos. We're not engaging in this uh, whole uh, uh, kind of overwhelm of the experience. Uh, when we're looking at squandered opportunities, uh, like Faz was talking about before in her process with her mother, uh, yeah, I mean, you can either look at it yourself as a victim of your squandered opportunities, or you can look at it as empowerment. What can I gain from these squandered opportunities? Did I not take action? Okay, that's an experience. And always view our experiences from the perspective of compassion, acceptance, forgiveness, and gratitude. Once you reach that perspective of gratitude, you will then be able to bring that experience with you as part of your growth packet, as part of your empowerment. And that is how you're then going to heal the aspects that have created this uh, experience of imposter syndrome. So it's not the imposter syndrome in itself that you're going to be healing. It's the, 
the aspects that have created the imposter syndrome as a defense mechanism. And that's really what imposter syndrome is. It's a defense mechanism for you to not fail, for you not to be judged, for you not to be whatever it may be. And once we start to raise our vibrations and look at ourselves from a different perspective, we will now be able to gain access to our intuition. We will be able to discern our experiences much more clearly. Uh, and yeah, I mean, there might be situations where you're absolutely right. It's You're not in the right place. It's not something you should be doing. So it might not be imposter syndrome. It might be intuition saying, Nope, this is not the right path for you. And just by having tried that, you are learning that about yourself. So there, there are two sides to, or there, there's two possibilities to every uh, uh, experience. Um, and we, we do have this concept of, of the cognitive bias of loss aversion to uh, keep in mind too, that you are always going to look at an opportunity that is unfamiliar with uh, suspicion that, no, nope, that's not for me uh, because we have this cognitive bias that it's better to be where we're at, where we're familiar with, than to move into what's unfamiliar. And it's only how we can push through those boundaries and push into the unknown that we are going to expand and grow and uh, evolve and develop as uh, individuals. Hi, yes, something you just said there <clears throat> kind of uh, made me think of um, environmental um, influences. Uh -huh. So basically when you're around people who are constantly negative or around people that are <clears throat> constantly critical, you kind of start having that kind of mindset as well. Mm -hmm. And I think, um, yeah, like in my religion, it says if you're in a perfume shop, um, you'll come out smelling really well, really good. If you end up in a blacksmith, you're, you're going to smell like that. Um, so it, your environment is quite important. And when I say environment, it also means like the kind of vibes you're around, the people you're around, the mindsets yep. you're around, social media that you're around um, will make you feel a certain way. Like you can go on Instagram, see people high flying and be like, oh, I'm not good enough. But wait a minute what's actually happening behind the scenes we don't know so um <laughs> you know like what, what kind of things you feed yourself as well i think that's uh, that that's something really important because um i was in a job where there was a different situation where i was actually recruited for a job um from a different department and they wanted to recruit me full time and then the manager kind of thought i was a threat to her role and i was like whoa wait a minute <laughs> and then i kind of constantly got put down again and it reminded me of my mother again I thought mm -hmm. I had my mother at work as a manager and I and and other people said well she just thinks you're a threat to her role and I was like wow I'm just doing my best I, I'm doing and um, I think it's <laughs> one of those things where mm, yeah you got to be careful about what environment you, you choose to put yourself in as well I think that's a choice 
Absolutely, and so, yeah. uh, but I think those situations as well, when, as you say, like I have my mother now as my manager, well, then perhaps there were aspects of that relationship that remained unhealed and therefore it showed up in your experience again. And that's the whole process of karma. It shows up un again and again and again until you heal that aspect of the karma that uh, still exists within your experience, right? Yeah, well, I just removed myself from the situation. I just moved on from that role. But, um, you know, I could only fight it too much, so much. Yeah. Uh, before, yeah, but I wasn't willing to put that energy in. <laughs> no way. Well, exactly. And, and that was perhaps exactly the remnants that you needed to heal was to say, no, I don't accept this and I'm going to extricate myself from this experience and move on. And that was perhaps exactly what you needed to do. Right? Yeah, I mean, then, yeah, definitely, because I knew that I, I, I deserved better. Yeah. And it's, um, you're absolutely right in that the energy, and the, this is what I'm talking about, you know, Dr. Hawkins' um, concept of uh, emotional frequency and vibration that, you know, we embody uh, different vibrations and frequencies depending on what emotions we hold within. So if we, uh, like Faz's uh, manager there that she's describing, that probably embodied a lot of fear, which is a low vibrational frequency. Rather than uh, embodying a, a emotions or uh, of acceptance and welcoming then that will probably a more be a more thriving environment but uh, yeah uh, you know the media that we take in the news we look at but you know if again if you're looking at social media and you see a lot of people that are having a much better life or on the surface of it, have, have a quote-unquote better life than you do, if we're going to judge things good or bad, then you can turn that around and say, well, you know what? I want that too. So I'm going to go for that. Take it as an uh, inspiration as opposed to uh, something that brings you down. Uh, and I mean, that's typically how I use uh, social media. I love looking at... Uh, funny animal videos and all that, like the next person. and But it's like, it lifts me up and then I'm like, okay, now I'm good to go. Now I can go and do something else. Fantastic, you know? Um, so it's it's all a matter of perspective. And that's, again, imposter syndrome is a matter of perspective. And just because you hold that perspective doesn't mean that you're right. Doesn't mean that you are correct. There are other perspectives that you can hold that will be equally or more valid. And that's the journey and that's the process that we go through. We take our experience and we say, okay, I am telling myself I'm not good enough. Is that true? Probably not, most definitely not. And you might be the only person that think that. If you were to ask 10 other people, they would come up with, 10 different other perspectives. Use one of those. 
whatever is more correct or more, you know, we are in the organismic self, our, our authentic selves. We are amazingly brilliant, fantastic. We are, there is nothing better. So move closer to that without hubris, of course, but, uh, you know, that is where we want to move closer to. So whenever I'm talking down on myself, and I do it all the time, oh, we can't do this, oh, it's not good enough. Well, it's not good enough for whom? It's not good enough for me. It doesn't mean it's not good enough for someone else. So move into a different perspective of yourself. Um, and if we are in that process and we are kind of judging ourselves, ask yourself, what is it that I don't know? What is it that I need to know in order to make this uh, myself satisfied with this? If there is nothing else that is apparently obvious, then go and say, okay, well, if there is nothing else for me to know about this, why am I judging myself about this? So constantly have this conversation with yourself and ask yourself questions to find out what it is that is really going on. You know, get under the skin of yourself, right? First, go ahead. Yeah, it also makes me think of it's not like only on a, a work perspective or achievement perspective, but I think also on a sense of like relationships as well. Mm -hmm. You know, like I've heard people be say like, oh, she's not in my league, like she's way above my league. Or, you know, like, oh, he's, yeah, you know, things like that. And I'm thinking, what do you mean? What league? <laughs> what <laughs> league? Like, who, who are you like? Uh, comparing against and comparing what, like what league they're human being you're a human being I mean yeah and I you, you, I, you I actually never... hear uh, like uh, actors like A-list actors and uh, models and so forth they have a hardest time dating because nobody dares go out with them because they, they think they don't measure up because they're holding these people on such a high pedestal, right? Yeah, but they're, st they're still human beings. Oh, yeah, and, for sure. Um, it's just, um, yeah, feelings and emotions and relationships and communication. It's still hu human. I mean, I don't, uh, yeah, and when people, yeah, I've never understood that concept. Well, that person's out my league. No, I don't think so. <laughs> I, yeah, I well, just. Well, no, but it, it is because we're judging ourselves from what we think. Again, it's that local, uh, external locus of evaluation. We're, so take someone uh, uh, beautiful, like, uh, well, that society thinks is beautiful. Whether you think she's beautiful or not, I don't know. Uh, but uh, someone like uh, Nicole Kidman. Now, then I would be judging myself from the perspective of what I assume her perspective of me is, right? 
Now, I have no clue what her perspective on me would be. She certainly doesn't because she's never met me. <laughs> you know? So it's, I can easily then go and say, well, it's not very likely I'm going to meet her. So it doesn't really matter. I can still think she's beautiful. If I ever meet her, then we'll see what happens. But the point of view, uh, point is when I'm doing this exercise, I'm, I'm understanding that I'm being unreasonable in my assumption about myself. Because there's too many unknowns. I'm making big assumptions. Am I good enough for Nicole Kidman? I have no idea. She doesn't know because she I've never met her, right? So you can have this conversation with yourself. And you a lot, a lot of times I end up laughing at myself because it's you you have this you talk to yourself in a way that is you, you're kind of grasping at straws to make yourself not do something or to avoid something. When you you kind of have this conversation with yourself, you're just grasping at straws at the end of it because you run out of arguments why you shouldn't be doing something or why you're not good enough for something because you that's that's the just the perspective it, it has no validity it has no truth around it so if you mm. if you run that process long enough that questioning that kind of conversation internally you will end up in the point where your mind or your shadow or whatever you want to call it is grasping at straws to argue against something and you can mm. go okay now you're just being ridiculous and then you have a laugh about it and you move on and try to understand where you know what's the source of it yeah it reminds me of drew barrymore she uh, on her channel on youtube mm -hmm. she recently said oh somebody ghosted me and everybody like because she's trying to date and everybody's like what uh, like you drew barrymore getting ghosted she's like yeah <laughs> and everybody's like oh okay and it's like well yeah <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, and Why perhaps not? that perhaps that person who was ghosting her got imposter syndrome, right? Oh, I don't know. He, he just <laughs> didn't dare to fail, like didn't dare to proceed to fail, right? Mm -hmm. So we we never know what another person's experience is. I think the absolute most important question, and I'll, I'll kind of end my my uh, monologue on on this question is whenever I come up against anything that I want or I have inspiration to do and I'm noticing that I'm starting to talk myself out of it is I always go if not me then who because the perspective I am going to bring is going to be uniquely mine and if I have the inspiration, then there's a reason for it. And as I said in the beginning, if there's only one person that is going to be, if we take this podcast, the inspiration here was to talk about imposter syndrome. If only one person is to benefit from it, then that's enough. That's perfectly enough for me. And that is the that is the benefit of it. It's if not me, then who? 
Okay, so anybody have any uh, further comments or any uh, other experiences you want to share or you feel I missed something, anything that kind of struck you that you want to bring up? I was thinking about, I'm in that space of talking myself out of inspiration and um, I haven't worked for a few months and getting back to work and, you know, deciding of, I'm a mom of an eight-year-old and working would be going back to the workforce. Um, I don't want to go just for uh, bad experiences in the past. And so I'm thinking of building my own coaching program. Mm -hmm. And I've thought, you know, it's a lot of work. There's a lot of that, uh, hours that I have to put in. Of course. Um, I can't do it. Um, my daughter's, you know, she needs me and she needs me the most when I'm when I'm busy. So I'm in currently in that space right now. And um, yeah, I just wanted to share that. Well, and I think, Teresa, you will find that you're not alone in that. And, you know, I have two daughters. I have a, a special needs uh, child. I'm, uh, uh, whom I'm uh, uh, solely responsible for. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we all have our challenges. And, yeah, running your own company and your co own coaching business, there are there's a lot of work to be put in. But I think for me, in a way, I've, I developed this, like, radical acceptance of my experience and I seek to have this balance between the time I spend with my children and the time I spend at work or developing my business. And I just accept that some days uh, I'm not going to be very productive. Some other days I'm going to be super productive and it's going to have to take the time it's going to take. Sometimes I have to go and do some work that you know, I, I like you say, go back and work somewhere where it's not really, you know, inspirational, but uh, need to bring in a little bit of money. That's fine. That's again, it's, I accept that as part of my experience. Um, so I think talking us, I think we we talk ourselves out of things because because we we measure or we benchmark ourselves against others that person has done it in this time frame. I couldn't do that. Therefore, I'm not worthy. Therefore, I shouldn't do it. It doesn't matter if it takes you 10 years to get it off the ground. As long as you start taking steps and you take inspired action. Now, in Buddhism, they talk about something called right action. And right action is whatever is right for you at this very moment, take that action. If you're, if it's right action for you right now is to bring your child to the playground, then do that. If right action for you right now is to sit down and write a business plan, then do that. And don't, don't assume that your experience is going to be a carbon copy of someone else's. It's going to be uniquely yours. 
Does that make sense, Teresa? Yeah, that makes sense. I've been in my head quite a lot these days. Yeah. And uh, so just move into yeah. that perspective of observing yourself and your own experiences from your awareness. And yeah, we get stuck in our heads. And our head, you know, our minds are going to try to talk us out of whatever it is that we're inspired of. I do it all the time. And, you know, the more you can have that conversation with yourself, the less anxious you will be about it because you will say, you know what, I accept this. I accept my journey and I accept I'm perhaps I take one little step now. You know, I set up this podcast because I, I felt I needed a platform to express my experiences as I'm moving through my process and my my journey, I just needed to express it. Uh, so, you know, I blog, I write articles, and I do this uh, podcast. And that was just one of those steps. So perhaps for you, it might be writing, painting, uh, talking, whatever it is. Take one step, just a small step. That's all it needs. Because then you will be inspired to do something else that is related to that. And then you take the next step. And then opportunities will start to show up. You just not more and more you embody that version of yourself that you, you want to uh, kind of step into the more you're going to start experiencing that. Uh, I'm just on my way from work. It's evening in my time zone, so good evening, good day. <laughs> I wanted to give you some other perspective here. I moved to Sweden from Ukraine, and I'm currently speaking English. So this imposter syndrome and this self-confidence Mm -hmm. it's always shaken when you have to drastically change your life. And I've experienced that a lot when I came here and I had to start from scratch without knowing anything and language, culture, like nothing. And then you're put in the position that you start questioning your values somehow. And am I good enough mm -hmm. really to start everything from scratch and then uh, the, there is always this advice that you have to find community people like-minded and get support from them but in another country it could be it's not always a good thing to do because those people can like remind you of bad things or start you start comparing yourself to their life their experiences because they come from the same country and they succeeded why not you so mm -hmm. this like dubious anything else you would like another another advice you would give what else you can do or what you can say to those people who find themselves in this position well it is a challenge i mean now you uh, am i assuming correctly here uh, maria that you uh, you uh, left Ukraine because of the war down there? Uh, yeah, it was uh, seven years, seven and a half years ago, I came to Sweden okay. earlier. Right. Uh, so I'm, yeah, I've built 
up but, here, <laughs> another but, life. But, but you're, still, you're still connected to uh, Ukraine, obviously. Yeah, uh, yeah, of course. With everything yeah. going on down there. Yeah. So that clearly is creating another set of uh, emotions that uh, I can't even start to understand. And uh, I am actually from Sweden myself, and uh, oh. I, I live in the UK. So uh, I, I suppose I do understand that you know, and I, I lived in New York as well. And you, you think that you move to a country where you speak the language and you kind of understand the culture. So, uh, or you can at least make yourself understood because you know everybody in Sweden speaks uh, English, right? Mm -hmm. um, but there are those cultural nuances that you try to understand. You don't always. Uh, and I think even if you move from New York to California, you're going to experience that, right? Or, you know, I moved, uh, I lived in Stockholm. I'm from the south coast of uh, Sweden. Uh, I moved to Stockholm for uh, four and a half years, and uh, it was like moving to another world for me, <laughs> even though we uh, seemingly speak the same language, even though I had uh, more of a Danish kind of uh, dialect um so it, you yeah absolutely it's it's one of those things that is always challenging to move into and you you are going to perceive yourself as an imposter in that you're trying to insert yourself into a culture that you didn't originate in right yeah you just uh, do things or you sell maybe celebrate maybe you do that because everyone does that and you try to fix. Yeah. So what is it, if you strip away everything that is cultural, what is uniquely you? What is authentic, authentically you? I know that it's not a question you need to answer, but it's a question you, you perhaps can ask yourself. And that's what you show up with. Right, you know, beyond I don't know. Uh, have, have you managed to learn Swedish yet? I know it's very difficult in Sweden because everybody will speak English with you, right? Yeah, <laughs> that yeah. is another reason. Like, am I not good enough? <laughs> yeah, uh, no. And it's my my ex-wife's American, and uh, we lived in Stockholm together. And the only reason she really learned Swedish was because uh, our youngest daughter went to, or my oldest daughter, sorry, went to. Uh, daycare there and she came home and only spoke Swedish so uh, her mother needed to learn Swedish so that, <laughs> that's how she learned it right otherwise she wouldn't have because the, it's so international everybody speaks English it's so it's very challenging that way I, I lived in Spain for two years and a lot of Spaniards the younger Spaniards speak English but some of the you know tradesmen and so forth they, they only spoke Spanish so you were forced in a way to integrate into the society in a different uh, different way so but yeah i i recognize that and i i i think you for me in a way i just had to reconcile with what is it that i'm bringing to the culture because i'm never going to be british you know i wasn't born here so i'm never going to say Oh yes, I am British because I was born here. It's like no, I'm Swedish. I live in the UK, uh, and 
so it's it's more of what can I bring to the table? What's uniquely me that I can bring to the table that will help to, uh, you know, people around me to develop? How can I show up in a way to uh, bring bring something else to the table, right? Does that make sense, Maria? Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense, of course. <sighs> I didn't. As I always, didn't, I didn't yeah. say it was easy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I understand. I've been through that right now. Like I reconciled, as you say, but I know how difficult it is. And I think maybe there are some other like short ways that you can, yeah, help well, yourself. Well, and I think really it's again it comes down to acceptance, right? Yeah, and it. Are you going to accept the path of the people around you as well accepting your own path within the experiences you're having right now? So if you're not accepting of that, then you're creating a level of resistance that is then going to keep that experience for a longer time because whatever you resist is going to persist. Mm. So now it seems to me that you're kind of up north somewhere or further <laughs> yeah. up north. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's cold in here. Yeah, Easy. whereabouts are you? Uh, so left here, it's oh Western Norland. Oh my God. Mm. Okay, I haven't even been up that far north and I'm from Sweden. <laughs> so, so yeah, I mean, it's you're even going to feel it's going to be even more different culturally than even if you were in southern Sweden, right? So again, yeah, you know, what what is it about your experience there that you you can accept? Or how can you move into acceptance of the experience you're having? And not see yourself as an imposter showing up where you're at, but rather to show up as a benefit and someone who can bring something new to the table. How can you allow the society where you're at to integrate with you as opposed to you integrate with it, rather than having this kind of uh, resistance to the experience? Thanks a lot. Oh, my pleasure. As I said, uh, I didn't say it was easy. I only say it's possible. It's your choice. Yeah. So left you. Oh, that's cold. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's almost up by the Arctic Circle, if anybody's wondering. Um, so just remember, if not you, then who? So Teresa, when you're looking at your coaching coaching program then what is it that you bring to the table and uh, if you're not going to do it who's going to do it who is out there waiting for you to help them right because clearly we all have inspirations and why is that inspiration coming to me in particular well because i'm vibrating at that level of frequency that attracted that inspiration so therefore, I am perfectly situated to manifest that inspiration. 
Thank you everybody for showing up today. It's been great uh, having this conversation and hearing everybody's inputs and the questions and uh, your experiences. It's uh, been lovely and as always, you're showing up with your most wonderful, beautiful energies. I wish you all the best and uh, wherever you are, I wish you a lovely day, evening, week ahead and we'll see you soon. Take care, everybody. Have a good one. Imposter syndrome is one of those concepts that is really tricky. It shows up in our blind spots and hides in our shadows and can be sometimes really difficult to get a grip on because it's not plain in uh, full sight of our uh, awareness and consciousness. And also, it is something that comes out of a lot of different uh, experiences in our lives. So when we start to address it, it can sometimes be extremely overwhelming and really complex. And this is where we need to just boil it down, take it one step at a time, take one trigger at a time and work it through uh, with patience and trust. Digging through all the aspects that leads you to relieve yourself of imposter syndrome often takes a lot of courage because it is about really shedding a lot of these belief systems about yourself, shedding a lot about these ideas that you've been uh, given or imprinted with from uh, society, parents and so forth. So it's, it can sometimes be identity revealing or shedding your identity to reveal that new identity, that authentic side of yourself. But however hard the work is, remember at the end of that rainbow there is a pot of gold and that is being set free from all these imprisonments that happens in your life because you're holding yourself in from becoming the best version of yourself. If you find that you need some assistance picking all these different concepts apart within yourself then uh, to uh, visit us at thealchemyexperience.co.uk and click on the link for the to book a 30-minute free consultation and uh, let's uh, discover together if we might be the place for you to explore these topics within yourself further. But for now, I'd like to thank you for showing up here and sh sharing in the content and the exploration that we do here on a bi-weekly basis and. Um, I hope to see you next time. In the meantime, take care, have a good one.